Pastor Evans' word, I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the word today. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And so I step back now so the Spirit of God can step up and minister grace to the hearers of your word. I declare in advance that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of this word. And I thank you, Father, that when we leave this place, our minds will be renewed. Our hearts will be changed to be bent in your direction. And Father, we will see manifestation of promises in our lives as we hear it, as we receive it, as we believe it, and as we do it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled New Covenant Living. Everybody say New Covenant Living. And the goal of this series that we've been in over the last three weeks is to help us understand the Old Testament and also understand how the New Testament works in our lives. And so I've made this statement that I'm about to make over the last couple of weeks and I want to repeat it again today. And that statement is we should believe the whole Bible but we should live under the new covenant. Everybody say this with me. We should believe the whole Bible, but live under the new covenant. Now you may be saying, but Pastor Evan, the Old Testament is under the law. We shouldn't be believing the law. And my response to you would be, well, first of all, the whole Old Testament is not under the law. The law didn't start until Moses came on the scene. But there are still some things that are in the law. Everybody say in the law. There are some things that are in the law that are still good for us to live by today. I mean, if you think that thou shalt not kill does not apply to you. Just because it's a part of the law. Go out and do it. And I promise you, everybody say he's making a promise. I promise you, if you go out and kill somebody, you will need us to put some money on your books. If you don't know what that means, that means you've never been to jail. Praise the Lord. So we're going to journey through this series, and I believe it's going to empower us as believers to be victorious in Jesus Christ. So if you you have your Bibles or if you're taking notes, our title today is Getting Results Using the Name of Jesus. Getting results using the name of Jesus. I'm going to give you three verses this morning. And the first one is in Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. Philippians 2 verse 8. Then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1 verses 17. And then we're going to go over to 1 John chapter 5 verse 14. I'm going to repeat those again. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 and then 1 John chapter 5 verses 14. Now for the sake of time, I will not be reviewing from last week. 
But I do want to encourage you to go to the YouTube channel and watch last week's message so you can stay in tune with the whole series that we're in. Now, I closed last week with a very radical statement that I'm going to start with today. I said last week that it is possible. Look at your neighbor and say, it's possible. It is possible for you to use the name of Jesus in your prayer, but not always receive what you prayed for. Now, I know that sounds wild and somewhat heretical, but let's do, let's start out with a quick test this morning, okay? So I need everybody to participate. So by the showing of hands, how many of you have prayed a prayer in the name of Jesus in your life before and what you prayed for came to pass. If you prayed before and it came to pass, okay, good. Look around you, look around you, look around you. Okay, that's the majority of us. Now, with the showing of hands again, how many of you have prayed a prayer in Jesus' name and it did not happen or has not come to pass yet? Raise your hand. Okay, look around you, look around you, look around you. All right, as you can see, many of us fall into this category. So the purpose of my message today is to explain to us why sometimes we can pray in Jesus' name and it does not happen the way we think it should. Amen. So my goal today is to show us the power that's in the name of Jesus. Then I'm going to give us reasons why we may have prayed in his name and it didn't happen. And then at the end, I want to help you to believe how powerful your life can change by using the name of Jesus properly. So I have four points this morning. Here's the uh, point number one, if you want to take notes. The name of Jesus has power. Everybody say, the name of Jesus has power. Okay, in Philippians chapter 2, I want you to follow me because this is very powerful. It says, and I'm reading in context, it says, And being in fashion or found in fashion as a man, it's talking about Jesus, He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Let me just point out something here. The only way you and I are going to consistently be able to obey God is if we consistently stay humble. If you find yourself not obeying God on a consistent basis, that means you have allowed your pride to rise up. He said, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here's verse 9. Here's the focus verse. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and has given him a name which is above what? Every name. That at the name of what? Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and even things under the earth. How many know there are some things under the earth? Amen. I was praying yesterday and God, uh, as I was praying, I saw in a vision there were thousands of snakes that left our property. How many know snakes represent demonic forces? Amen. We didn't just build a building. We have now broken some demonic forces for this area. So the name of Jesus has authority and power over every name. Everybody say every name. Whether that name is cancer the name of Jesus is greater. Whether that name is Arthur, also known as Arthritis, Jesus is greater than that name. Amen. It's even greater than the name of debt or poverty. The name of Jesus is more powerful. And the name of Jesus has all power on the earth, in heaven, and under the earth. Somebody say amen to that. 
So let's look now at Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. So, so we can allow the mouth of two witnesses to verify what we just read. I'm a teacher. And I want you to see that what I'm teaching you is not something that I make up. So I'll allow the word to verify itself. So we're going to look now at a second verse that verifies the power of the name of Jesus. It says here in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 that God, and, and let me just encourage you up front. This is a prayer that I prayed over my life for years. So take this prayer and begin, because that's what it is. Paul was saying a prayer for the, the church of uh, 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 Ephesus, I want you to pray this prayer over your life on a regular basis. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Why? That you might know what is the hope of his calling for your life. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, verse 19. And then so you would know what the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Here's the focus now, which he used in Christ when he raised Jesus from the dead and set him at his own right hand. Where? In heavenly places. Watch verse 21. And Jesus, who is now sitting at the right hand in heavenly places, watch what it says, far above how many principalities? Far above all principalities, all power, all might, and all dominion, and every name. Everybody say every name. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come, and has put all things under his feet, and has given him to be the head over the church. And here is something you may not have known. We have been commanded, everybody say commanded. We have been commanded to believe on the name of Jesus. First John chapter 3, verse 23, you don't have to turn there. They may be able to put it on the screen. It says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. We have been commanded to believe on his name. And then it goes on to say, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Believing in the name of Jesus is what produces the power to bring about salvation. And that's why Romans chapter 10 verse 12 says, For there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Watch verse 13. This is good. For whosoever, look at your neighbor and say, You are whosoever. It says, For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, what's going to happen to him? They shall be saved. Listen, the name of Jesus has the power to produce salvation in your life if you will call upon him. But here's what I want to encourage you to not do. Don't overuse or abuse his name. Just because you have it don't mean you need to use it. Amen. Don't call him if you don't need him. Here is why. Here's how. This is how it works. This is how faith works. Everybody say, this is how faith works. This is how faith works. Your mouth and your heart must stay in sync in order to properly believe. Your heart and your mouth must stay in sync for you to properly believe. And so if you overuse his name, your heart won't know when to really believe. You can't call his name because you broke your nail. 
What you want him to do? Go back and put that fake nail back on there for you. Don't call his name if you just typed the wrong key on your keyboard. Jesus, what do you want him to do? You got the backspace button. Don't call on him if you make a wrong turn. What you want him to do? Pick your car up and turn it around. And that's why the name of Jesus does not work for a lot of us. Because we abuse it and we overuse it. The Bible calls it using his name in vain. The word vain just does not mean in a curse way. It means in an empty way. That's good stuff right there. So the name of Jesus is powerful. Everybody say the name of Jesus is powerful. Amen. So let's establish up front that we as believers have the authority and permission to use his name. John chapter 16 verse 23. It says, and in that day, everybody say that day. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. This is Jesus talking. He says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, read it with me, he will give it to you. Say it again. Now look at your neighbor and tell him. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So if the name of Jesus is so powerful and we have permission to use it, then why is it at times when we use it, it seems to not work? Touch your neighbor and say, he's about to answer your own question. So let's start out with the obvious. Let's start out with the obvious. Here's point number two. Using the name of Jesus will not work if what you are asking for is not God's will. I'm going to say that again. Using the name of Jesus will not work. Touch your neighbor and say, it will not work. Using the name of Jesus will not work if you are not asking something according to God's will. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. I want you to follow me on this verse right here. Because lots of people pray and things don't happen and they don't know why. Well, a lot of times when you are praying, if you don't verify before you pray that what you are praying for is God's will for your life, I'm going to show you here in this verse, God does not even hear you. First John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, some of this is meat today. Get your steak knife out because I ain't serving milk this morning. First John chapter 5, look at verse 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him talking about in God, that if we ask anything according to what class? According to his will, what happens? He hears us, verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. What a powerful verse. That verse is saying, if we will ask something according to the will of God, he hears us and we know he will grant the request. This verse is pretty clear in my opinion. Because it says that we can have the confidence when we ask. And he not only hears us, but will do it. But the opposite of this verse is true as well. Amen. The opposite of this verse would say, if I ask anything that is not God's will, 
He does not hear me, nor will he grant my request. So it is possible, say it is, impo- is, it is possible. It is possible to ask God for things that is not in his will. And I wonder how many of us have done that. How many have done that before? You ask, you know, God to do something in Jesus' name and it wasn't his will. You know, ask him to kill your ex-husband. That is not the will of God. That is not the will of God. So you can pray in the name of Jesus all you want to. Nothing's going to happen. And this is why Pastor Eben praised God's word because God's word is his will. I'm going to say that again because you're wondering, well, what is the will of God? The will of God is God's word. And if you'll pray his word, you are praying his will. Amen. You may have prayed, someone here this morning may have prayed, Lord, I want to be married in the year 2017. And here it is, 2019, and you are still single. Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking to somebody in here right now. Now look at your other neighbor and say, it might be you. It might be you. It might be you. Well, does that mean it's not God's will for you to, to be married? No, it does not mean that. But what it can mean is obviously you were not ready or your timing was not lined up with his. God knows when you are ready. Maybe you prayed for a particular job and and maybe that job was not the best job that God had for you. Maybe it was below your potential or maybe it was below your financial capacity. It's not that God was mad at you that you didn't get the job. That job was not God's best for you. And that's why I want to encourage you. And I'm going to have a time where we can do this. That's why you got to learn to pray in the spirit. Because when you learn to pray in the spirit, he is praying God's will for you, whether you know it or not. Amen. So using the name of Jesus will not work if what you're asking for is not God's will. Say amen to that. And so the fastest way to get your prayers answered in Jesus' name is to find out what, what God's will is and pray it. Here's point number three. Using the name of Jesus will not work when my fruit does not add up to my request. I'm going to say that again because I'm about to slap a whole lot. (laughs) Using the name of Jesus will not work when my fruit in my life does not add up to my request. Now, don't get confused. Salvation can only be received through faith, through God's grace and goodness. But some blessings come by applying the principles of faith. If Listen, if this wasn't the case, if we didn't have to do anything to get blessed by God, everything would be automatic. But everything is not automatic. Now, John chapter 15, verse 5. Watch this now. This is good. Touch your neighbor and say, this is good. John 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bring forth what? Much fruit. Why? For without me, you can do nothing. So let's just, let's just establish the fact that you and I can only produce fruit. And I'll explain to you what fruit is in just a second. You and I can only produce fruit if we stay connected to the vine. So when you find yourself getting off, backsliding it's only because 
You've decided to not stay connected. Watch now. John 15, verse 15. Jesus said, Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. I'm dropping down to verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have ordained you that you should go and bring forth what class? Jesus said, listen, I'm ordaining you to bring forth fruit. Watch what he says. And that your fruit, you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should do what? Should remain. Why? That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, I'll give it to you. He said, listen, you will be able to ask the Father anything in my name. I will co-sign what you're asking as long as you have proper fruit in your life. Now, the NIV version of that verse in verse 16 says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, I'm amazed. Touch your neighbor and say he's amazed. I'm amazed with this sloppy agape, messy mercy kind of thinking from people who want to convince me that how you and I live as believers don't matter. This I'm under grace so give me some space type of thinking. Now, now I believe wholeheartedly in the grace message. But grace, listen now this is deep. Grace does not replace the commandment of producing fruit. Oh that's good stuff right there. Listen, listen, listen. I don't know God loves me. Yeah he loves you. He loves you, whatever you do, he going to love you. But listen, the grace message does not replace the fact that we have been commanded to produce fruit. Amen. And here's the thing. If we don't produce fruit, we end up grieving the spirit of God. Write down Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the spirit. It's love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance or self-control. And against such there is no law. Notice it says that this fruit does not have a law about it. But my question is, how much of this fruit do I do you have going on in your life? Because it's my, listen, it's my fruit level that determines my requesting level. Everybody say this, say my fruit level must match my request level. Amen. Now, this is wonderful. And if you're taking notes, and I don't want you to feel condemned because God's not looking for perfection. Jesus already took care of that for us. But he is looking for some fruit. I mean, it does not bring glory to God. If your tree or your life looks like some of these trees out here right now in wintertime, you just got sticks on your, on your tree. Now, there are four types of fruit that God's looking for. Everybody say four types. There are four types of fruit that God is looking for. Now, I'm going to summarize them, and then I'm going to get into them. First of all, fruits in our attitude. Now, this is internal motivations. These are things people can't see. They might can feel them sometimes, and they might experience them, but for the most part, it's internal motivations. Number two, fruits in our actions. 
This is our outside activities. These are things that people can see. Fruits now in our acts. And this is our external service or deeds. And then number four, he's looking for fruit in our financial giving. I'm going to prove all four of them to you. So the first one, and here are the four types of fruit. The first one is the fruit of the Spirit. I just went over that. So if you and I are believers in Jesus Christ and we got born again of the Spirit of God, we should be producing some of the fruit of the Spirit that I just read. Amen. So first one is the fruit of the Spirit. Here's number two. is the fruit of righteousness and holiness. It's the fruit of righteousness and holiness. Romans chapter 6 verse 22 says, But now being made free from sin. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm free from sin. Now look at him again and say, I didn't know that though. I didn't know that. I didn't know. But being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit, watch this, unto what class? Your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says this, and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now no chastening or discipline for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields, watch this, read it with me, the peaceable fruit of what? Of righteousness to those who are exercised by it. In other words, some of the fruit that God is looking for to manifest in our lives so that when we ask something in Jesus' name, we get it, is the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of righteousness and holiness. Listen, if you know better, you ought to do better. Listen, I used to cuss back in the day. I was a cusser. I didn't curse, I cussed. And we still have some cussers in the room. But listen, my, my, my question is, are you still, are you trying to stop? I mean, decrease the amount. I mean, I mean you, 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 got a, you got a maximum. I'm, I'm cussing 25 times. I'm cussing 25 times a day. Listen, get it down to 24. Get it down to 23. Listen, have the goal to be curse-free, not to just be curse-low. The fruit of righteousness and holiness. Here's Here's the third one. The fruit of works and deeds. The fruit of works and deeds. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look in verse 17. Matthew 7, verse 17. It says, even so, every good tree brings forth what kind of fruit, class? Good fruit. But a corrupt tree brings forth what kind of fruit? Evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits you will know them. So that's telling me. That my fruit has to be something that people can see. Because the only way he can say that by their fruit you will know them is if they're seeing something about my life. And some of us, the fruit of our actions don't show forth fruit. It shows forth vegetables. (laughs) Broccoli. Asparagus. I mean, just make an effort to get better. It's this, and this is not a life of perfection. 
He's not even looking for that. But he is looking for some fruit in our lives. And here's the last one as we close. The fruit of financial giving. And I know here's the thing. Most people think that preachers came up with the concept of giving. We didn't. And see, most believers... And see, I believe this point right here, some of you all are going to let the word check you because you want to have a different financial life than you had in 2018. But if you've noticed, you've repeated the cycle that you did then. You're going to have to change up and just trust God on the front end of this year with your money. So God is looking for the fruit of financial giving. And Philippians chapter 4 is is where this principle is outlined. And see, most people say, well, my God shall meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But they don't realize that only applies to people who have fruit in their giving. Watch this now, Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 15. He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning what class? Giving and what? And so the context is giving and receiving. He says, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and what? Again, everybody say once and again. He says, unto my necessity. He says, watch this now, verse 17. Read it with me. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire what? Come on, class. I desire what? I desire fruit that may abound to whose account? When you give, it ain't to the church's account. When you give, it's not to the pastor's account. When you give, it's to your account. Now go over to Romans 15. This is my last scripture right here. This is my last scripture. See, I'm a giver and that's why I get excited about it. I can't help it. I can't help it. You know why? Because I've watched what it has done in my life. Amen. I, I met a pastor this past week. He's Pastor Evan. Our church prayed for your church and you this past Sunday. I said, really? He said, yeah, we called your church name out and your name right up front. And he says, Pastor, we're going to sow a seed into y'all's building. I said, well, you go on and sow it in. <laughs> Romans 15, watch verse 25. My point is this. God is looking for fruit in our financial giving. Romans 15, verse 25. He says, but now, this is Paul talking to the Roman church, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it has pleased those in Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are in Jerusalem. Watch verse 27. It has pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things... Their duty, everybody say, it's their duty. It's their duty also to minister unto them carnal things. Watch what he says. When therefore I have performed this. What is he talking about? When I have taken the money that you have given and given it over to those saints that were poor. He says, after I have done this, watch this now, and have sealed to them this what? Fruit. When you give, it produces financial fruit. And so here's the whole goal of the message today. is for you and I to go through the list to see why we have prayed some things that have not worked. My encouragement is for you to use now the name of Jesus properly so that you can get some biblical results. Because it is possible to get results using the name of Jesus.
I mean, I prayed in the name of Jesus to have another baby. And even though the doctors told me I couldn't have a baby and the doctors told my wife she couldn't have a baby, how many know I got a nine-year-old son to prove all of them wrong because the name of Jesus works? I pray in the name of Jesus to buy this land that we're sitting on right now. And he heard me. And not only were we able to buy these six acres that this, this, this building is sitting on right now, we were able to pay cash for it. Why? Because the name of Jesus works. I prayed in the name of Jesus that God would plant us in a place of our own so we wouldn't have to move no more. And here we are in our own building and we never have to move again. Why? Because the name of Jesus will work. How many were blessed by the word this morning? Give the Lord a hand clap. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I believe we need to have a confession session here. I believe some of us have improperly used the name of Jesus. So right there at your seat, right there on the inside, just begin to ask the Lord to forgive you. Lord, forgive us where we have used your name improperly. Well, we have prayed things that were not your will. Well, we have overused or abused your name, not realizing that when we use your name, you want to come on the scene. And sometimes when we're calling, you're not needed. Forgive us, Lord. And Father, today, as your people, we're going to do just what was taught so that, Father, we can ask and receive in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed, there may be some people here this morning that we read over in Romans, whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus.